Welcome to another episode of Salty Thoughts with Tamal Dodge. Lori Bregman is with us today. She is a doula with over 16 years of experience, author of The Mindful Mom-to-Be, and founder of Rooted for Life Pregnancy Program. Thank you for being here, Lori. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, I'm excited to be here with you. I haven't personally got to spend any time with you, and I know my wife knows you well. And um, what you do is something I'm actually really interested in and I'm very fascinated about. Um, I have children and I've went through many different experiences, even as a kid with my own family. Um, all my brothers and sisters were born either at home or at a birthing center with midwives and doulas. And so it's been around me for a while. And um, I'm curious to explore this conversation with you and also to um, really let our listeners learn more about this and learn more about the whole process. So how did you become a doula and what is the story behind the story? <laughs> I first became a doula um, 16 years ago, and I was doing massage and healing work, and I was specialized in prenatal massage, and I started seeing what all these women were going through, their mind, their body, their spirit, and how much extra support they actually needed. So I heard about becoming a doula and took my doula training, and it was just a natural progression. I've always been drawn to working with pregnant women and new moms and children. And through the years of doing all this healing on myself, I um, discovered it was, you know, this draw was coming from, it was my life's path. Mm. And I feel like I became, I was born to do this, um, you know, with my mother's pregnancy with me and the birth and the way it imprinted me and the wounding it caused and Mm. then the healing from that. So I created... Rooted for Life and my doula program and all these things to create a solid foundation for these children to come into the world from and to help these women birth not only healthy babies, but healthy mothers. Mm. That is awesome. And, you know, uh, what a wonderful place to be saying I found my life calling. (laughs) You know, so much of us are walking through life going, oh, God, what do I do? What do I do with my life? What is my calling? And to fall into that is um, super special. Um, I want to explore the conversation of uh, the disconnect in our society. So in America, everything is disconnected. I mean, we live in a time of social media uh, where we're supposed to be the most connected um, ever, yet you can go to a restaurant and you'll see a whole family sitting there and everyone's just on their phones. They're completely disconnected even though they're in the presence of each other. And I find that same disconnect is really present, especially in our Western culture. I mean, I come from a family of a lot of doctors. My grandfather's a doctor and my uncle's a doctor. And um, or my great uncle's a doctor, rather, and it, you find that there can be a disconnect in our society with the idea of giving birth and having a birthing experience. I find people all the time just terrified to give birth. They're like, oh my God, I have to do this. I have to do that. Is it going to hurt? Is it going to be this? And um, maybe we can explore the idea of how do you uh, demystify the experience of giving birth and take away some of that fear that is associated to it for expecting mothers and also people who just plan to have kids. Yeah, there's so much fear. I mean, that's it's it's like part of my my um, 
everyday life is is managing the fear of these new moms and and pregnant women and mm. and dads and people that want to <laughs> get pregnant. And a lot of it is these horror stories that are projected onto others. People love to share, you know, and then these women absorb it all. So I think being mindful of what you're telling other people um, and also, you know, ha- I always teach my, my girls to like have the boundary of just saying, hey, you know what, I'm trying to stay in a really positive place. Please, you know, I, I keep your stories to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of distrust in the body. Mm-hmm. I feel like we forget that as women we're made to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, I always tell people, I can't teach you how to have a baby. I can't teach you how to birth your baby. Um, I can teach you how to ride the waves, but you know intuitively your body is made to do this. And there's that distrust that, and of, of that, and also the fear of the unknown. Mm. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. What's it going to be like? And you really, you can't predict birth. You can't predict birth. You can't predict you know, how you're going to parent this child. You just have to kind of take it, like I say, one wave at a time, yeah. one step at a time, and just be in the present moment with it and figure it out as you go. Yeah, um, completely. And, you know, it's really, um, <laughs> as a kid, I grew up in a yoga ashram with parents that were, uh, you know, very bohemian. And in that time period, you know, if you were a doula or if you were even a midwife, all these things were very, like, um, unheard of and kind of scary to a lot of people. And when my uh, mother started uh, to have children, she was telling my grandfather, who was a doctor, he's like, I'm, I'm going to use a midwife. He's like, why don't you use me? And she's like, one, you're my dad. And two, I really want to have this natural birth and I want to do it in a home and I want to have this experience where, you know, I am connecting with this child and I'm going to do it a special way. And my grandfather was really against it at the time. And she also was telling my grandfather at the time, also, I'm going to eat a plant-based diet the entire time during the pregnancy, which freaked him out even more. And, um, you know, at that time period, it was just unheard of. And lo and behold, she had my brothers and sisters and me. And then uh, it really impressed my uh, grandfather at the time of, wow, he's like, these people are very educated. The midwives, the doulas, everyone there, he's like, they actually are more educated than most of the MDs that are delivering the child. He was like blown away. And I remember I actually saw the first, uh, my first experience of seeing a, uh, a birth was my little sister. I, like I said, I grew up in a very bohemian lifestyle, but I was like five years old. And um, I remember they wanted to wait to see what the sex of the baby was. And so everyone's crowded around, my dad, my mom, the midwife, everybody's in there. And my little sister's being pushed out and I'm like watching and like, terrified and in awe of what's happening and don't even understand what's happening and then they pull my little sister out and she had an umbilical cord but I was so little I didn't know what it was I they pulled the baby out and we were waiting for the sex and I was like it's a boy I saw this umbilical cord I thought it was like the longest biggest penis anybody's ever seen and then they cut it off and I remember I went like completely catatonic they're like I was terrified and then they're saying it's a girl and then I was in shock I was telling everybody I'm like oh my god I know how girls are made. Everyone starts off as a boy and then they <laughs> chop it off. Um, and uh, they have pictures of me like afterwards, like laying on the bed next to my mom, like terrified of what happened. But then after everything was explained, I kind of got it. And then a few years later, I watched my little brother being born. There were seven kids in my family. And um, watching my little brother being born, it was a completely different experience. A little older, um, but not much. And 
when I watched him be, being born, it really changed me. It was like uh, it was like a spiritual experience, like an epiphany. One, I had a lot of really great spiritual people around me explaining the whole thing, but it was like this connection between birth and I was even though I was a little kid, I made the connection that everyone must be born and everyone must die, and it's this cycle of life and. Because we lived in a yoga ashram, you know, even kids thought differently than the average kid or even the average adult out there. And it was this big uh, connection of, wow, this is intense. This is amazing. It is beautiful. It's all these different things. Um, and later on, I realized that, you know, the birthing experience can be beautiful. It can be terrifying, but it's also the way you approach it. And, you know, same thing with death. Death can be really terrifying or it can be really, really beautiful depending the way you approach it, the way you leave. And um, it's that cycle of life that is so fascinating that fascinating, and so um, incredible. And I think it's those things that need to be talked about and need to be explored because those are the only two things that are certain in life. Everything else is uncertain. Everyone will be born and everyone must die. And it's this incredible cycle that we really don't talk about, especially in America where everything's just hidden and uh, tucked away nice and neat. Nobody wants to talk about death and even birth. They're like, oh my God, you're not gonna be able to handle the pain. You're not gonna be able to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. So there's just so much fear of the two things that are actually certain in life. So I always talk about, um, even in my yoga teacher trainings, that if you talk about it more, you explore it more, you philosophize about it more, it demystifies it. And it really brings it into a place of um, being comfortable. I do want to talk about um, what are your thoughts on Western pregnancies versus the way people deliver children in third world countries and the rest of the world? Their approach is very different. Uh, one, obviously less medical oriented, but two, um, if different cultures just look at it different. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to, I do, I mean, I have to say you can have a beautiful birth at the hospital. Yeah, I do. I agree too. Yeah. I agree. Um, I had my son at a hospital. You did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, there's. And, and I, I love midwives. I mean, I, whenever I get to do a home birth with, with midwives, and I mean, I, it's just like I'm in like heaven. You know, yeah. it's like magic. But you can have that whole experience in the hospital too. Um, and there's a lot of great doctors that are like midwife doctors. Mm. And, and I think having a, a great experience too at a hospital, there's a couple things. You need everybody on the same team. And if you want to go natural, having a doctor that supports that or supports VBACs, which is vaginal birth after a C-section or... You know, there's knowing your options and having that person be on that team um, is a big thing for, for that. Um, again, it goes back to third world countries. Women just do it. <laughs> there's not, I mean, there's, there's not this, I'm going to go take these prep classes and do all these things. And they just kind of, they instinctually go out like in Africa to the field and just birth their baby and yeah. come back with a baby. It's just what they do. Um, and there's that, the disconnect that I see, I mean, is where people, they, they put so much more trust in the medical that they, they distrust their body. Mm. Um, and I mean, also in third world countries, I mean, we have yeah. a lot better facilities to have births and yeah I mean, and especially if things go wrong of course way more prepared here way more prepared i mean it's a whole different thing but that's i'd say that you know it's more primal more intuitive yeah. more i th i would totally agree and i think that you know it's uh i really agree that there's uh, a place and a time for everything even unnatural births like where they're using drugs I and mean, that stuff is there for a reason mm -hmm. uh, i think that you know 
depending on what you want to do with your pregnancy, it's totally up to you. But there is also definitely reasons for C-section save how many lives? We don't so even many. know so many. It's unbelievable. So there's a point in time for everything. But there's a but the C-sections too. I mean, when what you know when they're done unnecessary. Yeah. That's the, that's when it's hard because if people, I think, if women are, are allowed to have more time. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. And if you watch amazing documentaries out there, like. Mm-hmm. The business of being born, or even that, there's a great documentary called Babies, where you just watch these families in different cultures raising their babies from the moment of birth. I think up until two or three years. There's mm-hmm. so many inspiring things, and you know, I have friends that have just recently had babies, and I always encourage people to one just get educated, read, talk about it, mm-hmm. explore, and um, move in that direction. Ina May's Guide to Childbirth is a great book that I have all my people read, besides my book, of course. Wonderful. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, your book for a moment, uh, The Mindful Mom-to-Be. Let's dive into some of the subject matters and things that you cover. Okay. So this book is based off my Rooted for Life coaching program, which really is about, you know, you're not just birthing this health, this baby, but you're also birthing yourself as a mother. So each month I give you a theme to focus on that will help you prepare you to better parent that child um, and to give you the tools at, to take care of yourself as mm. you parent. And um, so I always think of pregnancy or becoming a mother or a parent as uh, the metamorphosis, right? You were like a caterpillar before you were pregnant. And at, during pregnancy, you're in a cocoon and you're kind of getting rid of the old, right? It's dying away, some of it. And you're also growing these new wings. And then you birth yourself and you birth this baby, and you're on the, you know, if you look at a butterfly when they emerge, they hang on to the cocoon for a while before they fly and learn how to flap their wings postpartum. Mm -hmm. And then the new mommy is the butterfly, where they fly with these beautiful, unique, organic, and authentic stripes and colors and that nobody else has. So this book kind of teaches you how to birth that part of yourself as well as a birth a healthy baby and find your authentic way. I'm really big on finding your authentic way. I've done this for 16 years and never have seen the same woman, pregnancy, baby, birth, child that were the same. So I don't really think there's one way of doing anything, but there is a you know right way that feels right for you. Mm-hmm. And I try to empower my women and my couples and my dads and every and the families to really find that way that feels right for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when I had my son, can I, uh, my wife and I, we were like, okay, we're going to take all our Bradley classes, we're going to read up, we're going to have a totally natural birth. We plan to do it at St. John's. A very good friend of mine who's an MFM, uh, Dr. Kevin Justice, um, has a center, and uh, he was such a great help took care of us through the whole pregnancy and you know we went through all these classes read all these books and lo and behold about three weeks from the nine month mark uh my wife is standing in our hallway and she's like tamal and all of a sudden it was like a movie like the water broke and really does just flood out it was like unreal and I looked at her and like, did you just pee your pants? <laughs> and she's like, no, I didn't pee my pants. The water just broke. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening right now. So we call my friend, Kevin. He tells us to go to the hospital. We go to the hospital. Um, it's like 10 o'clock at night, somewhere around there. We check in. 
they put us in the rooms there. The very nice hospital, St. John's. It's one of the nicer ones, I think. Yeah, I love St. John's. And um, so we're there, and the nurse says, oh, you know, it might be a long night. She's barely dilated at all. It's just, you guys might want to get some sleep. So I lay in this, like, tiny little nook corner that they have for the husband uh, in, like, a basically, like, a, a big bookshelf. <laughs> and uh, my wife had a our my stepdaughter years ago, Savannah, and had been a lot of time since she's had uh, another child. So she was under the impression that the second child comes faster, which does a lot. But if one, years and years have passed, your body's changed and readapted. So she was like, oh, Savannah came in six hours. This baby's probably going to come in like two. One minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she hadn't, she, with Savannah, it wasn't a natural birth. So this was her first experience having a natural birth. We turned the lights off. I'm falling asleep, and 20 minutes later, my wife goes, psst, hey, um, I think the baby's coming. It's like really heavy contractions right now. And I'm like, really? Because I would think you'd sound like you're in more pain than you are. She's <laughs> like, I really think, yeah, it's intense. Can you get the nurse? So we turn the lights on. The nurse comes in. She's like, no, nothing has changed in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> you really need to get some rest. And then... Every 20 minutes of the night, my wife was like, Psst, hey, you know what? I think this is really happening right now. you got to get the nurse in. And the nurse was getting irritated. She's like, listen, nothing is changing. You really need to get some sleep. You know, 8 a.m. rolls by. We haven't slept all night. We're like a disaster, super tired. And now she starts dilating a bit more. And she's having contractions. And my wife was like, holy shit, this is for real. This is what it feels like. And... Um, I brought a big Pilates ball in and I was like so hippie and bohemian. I like pumped this ball up and I would sit on the ball and she would lean on me and we'd like ohm through the contractions. We'd be like, oh, and the nurses and stuff would walk in and they'd be like, oh my God, what is this guy? And um, the baby still wasn't coming, still wasn't coming. And around, uh, let's say 12 o'clock in the afternoon, I was like dead tired walking like a zombie through the lobby and uh, one of the nurses goes, Tamal, uh, you look really tired. You should have some nurse's coffee. And I don't even drink co- ever drink coffee, so I drank this like black sludge, disgusting thing, and I got cracked out of my mind. I That's was how like, I make it through. I was I'm like, I'm a coffee junkie. I was shaking, and I was I had big hair, like long hair at the time, and it, but I hadn't slept, so it looked like one of those troll dolls you just shook <laughs> up, and I had like bloodshot eyes, and I couldn't talk straight. And, I went to get ice chips for Victoria, and I come in. I was like, you want to ice chips? Ice chips, I get you ice chips. Ice chips are great. And she was like, are you okay? And then um, around uh, two-ish, I believe it was, they're like, okay, she's gonna, she's about ready to give birth. And it's like 20-something hours later. It's just brutal. And uh, the doctor comes in, and she puts on a face shield and a whole thing. And it's not like the movies, okay? I'm just got to make a disclaimer. I didn't get, like, scrubs, a face shield, or anything. I was like, hey, well, how come everyone else, like, I'm standing right here. I, I think I should get the face shield. I'm like, you'll be fine. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I want the face shield. <laughs> and they're like, tomorrow you don't get a face shield. And um, so the doctor goes, oh, I want to go to my car real quick. I'll be right back. And we all started laughing. Like, even the nurse, we thought she was joking, but she really got up and, like, went to her car <laughs> and came back, like, 10 minutes later. And, um, Victoria, Kanai was head down, but he was the opposite way, so she had really bad back labor and was hurting her back, and she's laying on her side was the only way she'd get comfortable, and so she threw the leg, they threw a leg over my shoulder, and the doctor's like, can you lay on your back to push? And my wife was just so tired at that point, so 
done with it, she was like, I'm not fucking moving. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to deliver this baby on the side now. And so Kanaya, she gives a, she starts pushing, but as she's pushing, she's so overexhausted that she's falling asleep in the middle of all of it, even though it's like the peak of contractions, the peak of what you think would be painful and everything. She's always, she's about to push. She's like, oh, and then and we had to keep waking her up. It was like, it felt like a comedy show. It was like, go push. And then she finally pushed Kanai out. And um, he came out beautiful. Oh, there's an alarm going off. <laughs> um, he came out like a beautiful, healthy boy. And um, he, uh, you know, six pounds. And uh, we toweled him off, cut his umbilical cord. I got to cut his umbilical cord. And we went off to the nursery. We got to bathe him. And, you know, he was super healthy and vibrant and... It became this really awesome experience, and she did it, and she felt so empowered by the end of it. She was like, wow, I really was able to do it, even though it was not two hours. It was like over 20 hours. Um, it was this intense experience, but it was also beautiful, and it felt amazing. And funny thing is, is like five minutes after she gave birth, she's sucking on this big apple juice, and Victoria looks at me, and she goes, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> it was like 22 hours of like intensity. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it wasn't too bad. But, you know, I think those experiences, everyone has their story. Everyone has their moments of, uh, you know, fear, pain. I, even through those 20-something hours, you know, there was moments where, like, can we do this natural? Should we go the other route? What's going? Can we do it? We push through it, you know. And also you have the plan of what you want to do. Like you said, everyone has their plan, but also the plans can change. Like you said, you don't know really where the course is going to take. There well, could always be complications. Birth is completely unpredictable. It's the first thing that I tell my clients when I prep them for birth yeah. you know when I'm like okay we can't predict this I have no idea if your water's gonna break if you're gonna start having contractions like if they're gonna co really if it's gonna go really fast if it's gonna take we have to just kind of it's the great unknown and it's the ultimate adventure and that's how I always prepare people it's really the ultimate adventure like it's and they're the ultimate adventure and I do believe that on the path to parenthood pregnant, you know, on motherhood, like becoming a mother or in birth, um, there is stuff that comes up on the journey, whether it's uh, while you're trying to get pregnant or during pregnancy or in birth that are little things that you need to work through or things that might come up, whether it's maybe patience or, um, you know, slowing down or stopping or receiving more that you need to better parent this child. Mm. And so there's probably something in that 20 hours that that she that she needed to come or you need you guys needed yeah. to like you know parent this baby. Yeah, and you know it's uh, I have other friends that just had babies too, and their experiences are completely different, and it's always no two are the same. No two are the same. And just like no two children are the same. No, and that's my big big thing is when people are like, you should do it this way, and you should do it this way, and you should do it this way. It's like well, who are you? And who is your, you know, who are you guys? And let's like work from there. Not, and I don't treat any, anybody that I work with, I don't treat them the same. I look mm -hmm. at the, who they are as an individual, who they are as a family, who, you know, and really go from there. And we, we figure it out that way. Yeah. Um, maybe we can also explore the topic of um, keys for mental preparation for mothers and fathers out there. Any extra tips or suggestions for people that are listening that are expecting um well they're just 
there is no one right way. Yeah. And, you know, whatever, what your friend might have done or your yoga teacher says you should do or um, your mother thinks is right for you, to really focus on yourself and find your own way, way to do it. Um, it is a mindset if you do want to go natural. It is a mindset, but also I always say create an intention, not a plan. And I say birth plan when I use birth, when I do my birth plans, I always tell people it's more this, when you go to the hospital, this is the way I want to be treated, my birth to be handled and my baby to be treated. But it's not set in stone. We can, you know, it's loosey goosey, obviously. Mm -hmm. And also, but when you create a birth intention, it's, it's like saying New Year's resolution versus intention, right? Mm -hmm. One's like, I have to do it this way. The other one's kind of more like, it's more, um, what's, you know, that word, it's like, energetically there's movement right, right? um mental stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know i've yeah. got to think about this my <laughs> mind just went blank it was kind of yeah but a mental intention is always mm -hmm. there and you know i always think that so much of what we think we can't do is just mental blockages whether it's birthing or just anything in life it's so much when you come to the conclusion uh through reflecting meditating that you come to the conclusion of how much you actually can do and what you're capable of mm -hmm. I know I know that sounds like probably like uh, a self-help book but it's true you know uh, when you get over the hurdles of uh, I can't I can't I can't I don't know if I can oh my god what if this what if that and you go wow I actually really can do whatever I want to do mm -hmm. I really have the ability and the capability to do it you can push through incredible hurdles yeah, and stay be true to yourself because if 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 going all natural is not your truth, yeah, like you're gonna end up like manifesting something that is your truth. So really be true to yourself. Um, back to what you were saying too, it, it's learning comfort measures. I think is a big thing. You know, meditation, breath work, uh, visualizations, different labor positions, movements, um, water. Get in water. Water is like a natural epidural. There's a bunch of things you can do. Um, and really clearing your fears. Um, there's this doctor named Dr. Sebeki, I think his name is, um, from the Beehive of Healing. And he has this thing that he invented that I have all my clients do called P12 purge writing, where it's a ritual writing. And you write about whatever's coming up for you every day for 12 minutes. You set your timer, you burn a you light a white candle and you write for 12 minutes. When the 12 minutes goes off, you burn the paper without reading it. And, and then you just do it every day. Mm. And my people that do this, they clear so much of their fear that they, their body can just let go. And I think that's a big part of, um, you know, being just being able to let go is, you know, a big thing. Also having people around you that again, are supportive of you, and that are holding space for you mm. and also uh, creating a sacred space in the space that you're in. So you can, if you are in a hospital, flameless candles, aromatherapy, soft music, um, bringing, making birth altars, do, bringing crystals, doing things, you know, bringing deities or things that mean something to you to inspire you in that room will really hold that, you know, hold that space for you to just feel safe to be able to let go. Yeah, and you, I, I'm a firm believer that if people are on the same page as you, the people that surround you make a huge impact on huge. your whole experience. If people are totally negative to you the whole time, what are you going to do that? Don't do that. Do this. You're riding off their energy. Yeah. 
it's like anything in life. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to have a support system and you have to have a positive support system, not a negative one. Um, what about exercise? So I, I, this is something I really like to address because one, this is, uh, a lot of yoga people listening to this, but I have so many expecting mothers that come into yoga classes and they're like, won't walk even into the yoga room. They like call me over and they're like, I'm pregnant. Am I even allowed to exercise and practice yoga? Am I allowed to do this? And you find it a lot. I I find a lot of people that say, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I just have to like lay in bed for the next nine months and uh, hide away from the world until this baby comes. You know, I if correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure most doctors, doulas, midwives, everybody suggests that if you already are exercising and you get pregnant, you should keep up a steady exercise regimen. Yeah. If you're having a healthy pregnancy and, and you've got the thumbs, you know, if you're not on bed rest or some having some kind of a medical condition, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge fan of yoga for pregnancy. Um, huge fan of swimming, walking, um, Definitely keep doing what you're doing. If and let's really tune into your body. If something doesn't feel right, back off. I mean, this is a great opportunity for you to really tune in to what feels right for you. I mean, if you're tired, honor where you're at. Mm-hmm. If you have energy, go for it. You know, there's um, trust your body, follow it. Yeah. Um, exercise helps with morning sickness. It increases your energy. It's you know, you just have feel way better during your pregnancy when you actually sleep better. There's yeah. so many benefits. It takes benef- out depression, all these Everything. things. Everything. Yeah. Um, Helps with birth. I mean, it really does. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I remember I was in, um, in Fiji probably two, two and a half years ago now, something like that. And um, I remember we were at this bay, this private bay on this place called Novato, and there was a pregnant woman, and she was like in a low squat on the seashore with all these kids, like gathering seashells, running around, playing with the kids, and just free and open and feeling awesome. And I, she was doing it for, I want to say, hours out there, just low to the ground, running around. And um, you actually just don't see it that often. Mm-hmm. You don't see that that often in our Western culture. It was actually something where people on the retreat were like, whoa. And she was very pregnant, um, guessing seven months or beyond. And, uh, you know, you see that in other cultures where people just feel even work up until the last stages of the pregnancy. They'll be out in the fields or doing hard work during the day. And, you know, there's, again, that whole issue of fear with pregnancy of what can I and can I not do? And, you know, there's obviously things you want to avoid. Um, my friend, Kevin Justice, he was always saying, don't get overheated. Don't go into a hot yoga class where it's 110 I, that, degrees. I agree with that. Yeah. And you know, the, what are the, like, there's no twists, right? Yeah, what do no you, twists. what do you say to your pregnant ladies? I, I tell a lot of pregnant women, uh, if they're going to twist, do an open twist, which is something I'd have to probably demonstrate, but definitely no twists, no laying on your stomach, you know, especially at, at, at the months where you start showing, um, laying on the back. Uh, that's why it's always nice to not lay flat on your back, but have a vertical incline with bolsters. And if a good, if you go to a good yoga teacher, they should know how to modify Shavasana for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing crunches and things like that, I just don't feel you really need to do it after the first trimester. It's To me, it doesn't make much sense. You're trying to tighten up something that's trying to open and loosen up and uh, create a pathway for the baby. You can work on your abs after the pregnancy. <laughs> right now, just go with the flow for that part. So there's definitely things. And also, when people come to my class, even though my class isn't heated, per se, with all the bodies in there, it does get about 80 degrees. And 
I encourage people to take breaks, listen to their body. Drink water, bring coconut water with you. Have a do- be set up close to a door so mm-hmm. if you need fresh air, you can crack it open or you can leave and go into the lobby. Mm-hmm. You need to have those options, you know, and um, again, I don't want people overheated. Um, I don't think it's very healthy for the baby and its development. So if they need the break, take the break. And um, I give them as many props and things they need around them so that they can modify certain poses. Also, your balance is thrown off, so handstands, headstands, and things like that, even if you are amazing at it at before your pregnancy, your weight and your body and how much everything feels is going to be completely different. And even if you can do it perfectly while you're pregnant, if you come to my class, I'll be like, no, you can't do it right now. <laughs> you got to go down. Um, and some other teachers will disagree, which is fine. They'll be like, oh, no, go up and do handstand, headstand, do all this stuff right now. But for me in my classes, I'll tell them to come down. and Because I've seen, I've taken classes at other places and I've seen people fall out of things when they were pregnant, even if they were amazing before the pregnancy, because it doesn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all your body, the belly's coming out this way, your weight's diff- distributed differently. Um, so yeah, I'll give them a variety of things that to either abstain from or add or modify. And um, But I do think exercise is just absolutely wonderful and it's essential for the birthing process. And my wife did a yoga like every day, throughout her pregnancy. I remember and, seeing her yeah, in yoga. She, she felt amazing yeah. and um, and walked a lot. Getting fresh air, meditating is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, taking time to be with the people that you're very close to as well and share that experience because it's, it's funny. I, I was talking to my wife recently about it. She's like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's so fun to be pregnant because you're, you're like the center of attention. People open doors for you. People are smiling because they just, they know you're it's not just you're alive, but you're carrying life in you. And it's just this incredible experience. Well, it's funny too, because like I said, when you were talking about life, death, there with every birth, there is a death, right? Yeah. And there is going to be, when, when you when you are pregnant, there is a part of you that uh, you're all of a sudden like, I can't be around certain people. I can't be around certain places. And there is a weeding out. There is that, like I said, the, the caterpillar is, you know, getting rid of what no longer serves. So you really want to focus on you know, going to where you feel good, where, what, 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 where you want to, you know, the positivity, you're going to, you, you won't be able to be around, you won't be able to be able to be around it. It's just going to be a natural, like, I can't, I can't do this right now. I can't be around this person. I can't be around this place. Yeah. So it is the natural thing that clearing out the letting go, the, 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 the death of what's no longer working. And, and if you just tune into what's where you're being pulled to and where you're not wanting to go, you'll be able to like, it's like that letting go of that death and there's going to be, you know, following where you're going is like where you're going to fly to a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. I, and it's just like in life in general, you know, how we all go through stages when we're a kid, one thing's important to us, a teenager, the things that when we were a little kid don't mean anything to us anymore. Mm-hmm. Then you get into your twenties, the things that you were important to you as a teenager and you just kind of go through this natural evolution. But when you become a parent in general, your priorities change. Mm-hmm. What you used to think was really fun and awesome isn't anymore. Um, and what you find solace and happiness and um, gets deeply curbed and takes a tif- different road. And and you follow that road and uh, it's just a whole other gateway for your life. And I think that if people, um, like you're saying, you know, you let go of some friends, you let go of some places you used to be and hang out and find joy in and uh, you follow that natural evolution. It's kind of similar to what you said earlier. Just listen to what's true to you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to like force things all the time, even after pregnancy, you're forcing things. It's gonna feel unnatural. Yeah, it's 
show. What's the doula process for anybody who doesn't know out there through the pregnancy from like, let's say somebody goes, Lori, I'm pregnant. Can you be my doula? Where do we do from here on out till the baby? Well, I don't just do the doula. I take people through the journey. So most people, um, I sometimes work with people before they get pregnant to help prepare their mind, body, spirit to get pregnant. Once they get pregnant, usually people start with me on an average when they're like five weeks pregnant. So I take them through their the pregnancy, supporting their mind, body, spirit. Um, I see them a lot. Uh, I don't, the way I like to work, I'm so invested with my people. Um, I can't imagine going in the room with somebody to, to help them have their baby that I don't know. So I really cultivate and build this really deep relationship. And because I bring in spiritual coaching and I bring in a lot of healing work into the birth room and I use my intuition, the more I know somebody, the, the quicker I can just kind of go within, go in and tune in. Mm. And it becomes like, I don't, there's no, we don't even need to speak words. It's kind of like we know each other so well and then they can let go. Um, so I usually see my clients a ton before the birth, mm. um, a ton. And, uh, there's just, I mean, there's, that's how I work. I mean, yeah. I do everything from yoga, like, uh, restorative and yin yoga to breath work, um, to baby bonding meditations and visualizations, um, birth prep, birth plans, um, checking in with people, sending articles. I mean, it's, it's, uh. What else do I do? Massage, prenatal massage, um, nutrition stuff. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm, they can very me. involved. Very, very involved. Invo- yeah, it's not. I don't just again. I, I don't. The, I don't just meet and be like, "Hey, I see you at the birth." <laughs> I, I can't. Can't work <laughs> High that way. Five. <laughs> I see you at yeah. the birth. I can't work that way. I just. It's not the way I do it. Mm. Um, are there any final thoughts? Things that you want to share to anybody listening out there? No, just really just uh, if you if you are pregnant, just stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, really find what feels right to you. And, um, you know, my big thing is if, if, if you tell me that you feel this is the right way for you and then I say to you, oh, my God, that's not the right way you should do it because I did it this way or this person did it this way and you should be doing it this way, you know, then how are you ever going to trust yourself as a, as, a, as a mother, as a parent, so my big thing is to empower you to find your own way to do it. And, you know, others aren't raising your children. Others aren't birthing this baby, but you are. And there is no right one way, you know, for everybody. Mm. Um, you're, you are one of a kind. So really just that's my big message. Stay true. That's great. How can people um, connect with you, find more about you? Uh, what are your, some of your um, social media or website um, you can find me at lauriebregman.com, L-O-R-I-B-R-E-G-M-A-N.com. Um, I'm at lbreggy, L-B-R-E-G-G-Y at Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter, Rooted for Life on Twitter, um, Facebook, Lori Bregman. And um, I have a couple uh, events coming up, speaking events, uh, Birds of a Feather events, um, I'm doing a prenatal retreat day mm. in Mandeville Canyon, a fertility retreat day in Mandeville Canyon, and a new mommy retreat day. Um, I'm doing a three-part series on birth at Wonderlust mm. um, in June and July. 
It's going to be amazing. And um, I'm doing a bunch of things at a fudge restaurant in West Hollywood. I'm doing a dinner with the doula series and a, um, it's a mindful mom series. And there's, you know, things where uh, it's a once a month series that I'm going to be doing uh, where like even grandparents, for grandparents and for dads and for prepping for, you know, post-birth. And there's a whole bunch of things going on. So those are some places that I'll be speaking soon. Awesome. And if hopefully this podcast is released before all, <laughs> all those <laughs> yeah. events take place, but even if not, I'm sure they can stay tuned and check up on your website and find more events that you'll be at. Um, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's it was great. awesome. I'm glad and you're doing this. Yeah, it's so fun. And uh, I really enjoy doing the podcast and um, it's great to share information in general. I mean, the whole point of the podcast really is just to share information that people can hopefully take something from and apply to their life. And if they do, um, our job is done. So again, final thoughts are stay true to yourself, everybody out there. And until next time, namaste.